Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, psychologist. This is the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. In today's world, we have so much chatter going on. Everywhere people are talking, and they're talking loud, and they're talking over one another, and they're screaming, and we have people protesting. It's been a wild and intense year this last 12 months I think so much going on in our country and so much going on all around the globe but you know there are so many things that tie us to one another in peaceful ways and music is one of those ways our guest today is somebody who we've actually had on the show before but I just love this guy he's just a beautiful human being And the work that he does with his music is nothing short of good and kind and I think important for our culture. I'd like to reintroduce you to my friend, Vincent James. Good morning, Vincent. How are you today? Oh, good morning, Dr. Deb. I'm doing great. And how are you today? I'm great. It's a beautiful day here. It must be in the 70s. Balmy, sunny, and everything's blooming. It's just beautiful. How is it by you? Spring has finally arrived, and we are loving it, loving it. (laughs) So tell us what you're up to. Tell our our audience, our listeners out here, what is the ever-lovable and talented Vincent James into right now? At this very moment, we are putting together a book that is coming out in a month, less than a month. We're into May, aren't we? Wow. Funny how that happens. I blinked. June 1st, we're we're publishing the book, 88 Plus Ways Music Can Change Your Life. And it's a book that's full of inspirational music stories, anecdotes, and quotes that basically talk about how music has affected different people's lives in different ways. And we have, you know, music educators we have music lovers, we have songwriters, composers, uh, musicians, artists, all the gamut of different types of people, you know, people that just appreciate music, that don't actually make music, but they love music so much and they wanted to share a story. And we also were very fortunate to get a number of Grammy-winning and platinum-selling artists and composers to contribute to the book as well. So, you know, when mm. it comes out, it's going to be really special. So tell us, what what prompted this book? Well, we started an organization last summer called Keep Music Alive, and basically we wanted to make people more aware of how important music is in all our lives, You know, whether it's the educational value or it helps kids learn better in all their subjects if they're exposed to music appreciation and music playing at an early age, or the therapeutic value of music. You know, music is used in a number of different uh, therapeutic environments to help improve patients. And then there's just our overall happiness. I mean, can any of us really imagine a life without music? You know, like a quiet soundtrack, you know, music never going on. Uh, I'm having a hard time <laughs> imagining that. So for the what we wanted to do was put together something that we could use as a way to reach out to the world to let them know about the Keep Music Alive mission, and we felt a book full of inspirational music stories would be a perfect way to do that. 
And and what was it that inspired you about that? I mean, <clears throat> I understand that you personally are a musician, but there there's something that you saw. There's something that really ignited you. There's something that that touched your heart. So what's the story behind the story of this book? Well, the story that's that's a that's a great question, Deb. The story behind the story is that you know over the last several years I've just seen you know kind of like a triumphant of things coming together that are really causing concern for me and for many people. You know, one is the number of uh, cuts in music and arts education that we've seen you know across our country in many areas. You know, some areas are being affected more than others. Uh, the second is the less uh, music live music venues for people to to be out to be able to go out and perform i mean back in the day and not even so long ago there was a number of places we could go in any you know particular town to see live music at any time and now you just see those places not offering live music for for one reason or another what are they what are they doing at those venues instead vincent uh they'll just be playing you know the radio basically uh, the radio, and then the other, the third, and the, the thing that's really gotten a lot of attention lately is that we don't feel that people value music anymore. I mean, you know, the whole music business model has moved from, you know, you buy, you know, a piece of plastic, a CD, to the music streaming, where music is essentially free for many people, where you can listen to almost any song you want at any time, and not have to pay for it. Now, when I grew up. You know, we took our allowance money, went to the store, and put our money down on the counter, and you know, walked home with a dare I say it, you know, forty fives, uh, <laughs> forty five record. <laughs> Anybody remember those? I'm sure some of us do. But you know, we valued music because it was something that we had to pay for and we had in our hands. And I mean, there's no turning back on you know the shift in the business model, and but we need to somehow evolve that model so that people recognize that, you know, the people that write the songs, people that, you know, sing the songs and play the music on the songs need to be properly compensated for what they do. Otherwise, I feel that the great new art, music art in the future is going to start to die out because there won't be career paths for people to make new music. You know, there will still be hobbyists, certainly, but I don't think that'll be enough to really keep music at the level that we've been accustomed to these last, you know, five, six decades mm-hmm. since popular music began. And when you, you're particularly interested in what happens to children in the in the midst of having music programs cut. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that that's a really compassionate topic. Well, you know, research has shown time and time again, and we're going to allude to some of it, you know, in, in the book and then more on the, the website when we launch the full website in June. And that is that, you know, kids, when they are exposed to either, you know, music appreciation classes or music classes where they learn how to play an instrument, uh, singing classes like chorus, you know, where they're all kind of, I don't want to say forced to, but everybody's, you know, they start to learn music and rhythm at a young age. And what the research has shown is when that happens, they actually do better in many of the other subjects that schools are most focused on with their testing, whether it's the science, the math, or the English. Those subjects improve when the kids have had 
more arts exposure early on. And the more arts exposure they have, the more they improve in these other areas. So we're kind of like biting our hand that feeds us in a sense, right? We're <laughs> by pulling away the music and the arts. Right, right. Yeah, there's something really tragic that's happened in our culture with the last generation here and all the things that they are growing up not knowing. Everything from not having a landline in the house where you answer the phone and you might get to talk to your parents' friends and relatives and have that sort of uh, communal, community, familial connection, as well as putting things in their hands, like you said, with putting a record in your hands and, and having that cash in your hand to be able to have an actual face-to-face interchange with another human being in order to make the purchase, get the music, run home to play it, right, and then right. love it. I mean, it just love it, love it, love it, overplay it, and and have and have that whole interaction with other human beings. I worry about the the social skills training that kids don't get and that um the appreciation that they don't get to develop just because we the way that technology has changed the way that human beings interact with one another, it's changed our social awareness and consciousness. And when you add music into that, I worry that people are gonna think that um Rapping is really music, and they're going to forget the right. beauty of what real music is. Right. I think you've hit on a very important point, Deb. The whole social aspect that we're slowly declining in, you know, kids, you know, whether it's on their phones or their computers, uh, whatever devices they have, it's really not the same as, you know, when you saw people in person or picked up the phone and talked to them. I mean, kids don't talk anymore. Right. They don't pick up the phone. You know, when we were kids, we were on the, you know, if we had a boyfriend or girlfriend or a friend, we were on the phone, you know, talking, interacting, or, or going to their house, or them coming to our house or interacting. But now it's all clickety, 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 <laughs> and press, press, press on the phone. And, and you're so right. The social skills, the development of those is absolutely hurting, you know, in this new technology world that we're in. One of the implications of music, too, is when you're engaged in music, you are learning a whole other language, it, particularly as you're learning to read music and to play instruments and to sing solo and then singing with others and, and learning how to sing in harmony. There's There's such a humanitarian message behind singing in harmony with other people, isn't yes, there? Many, many, many levels. <laughs> On many levels there is. I mean, the, the, the skills that you're, the, the, the interactions inside your brain that go on when you go through those activities really is unmatched by anything else that we do as humans. Yeah. And the fact that you're socially engaged by singing and making sounds and engaged with other people that are making sounds and having to harmonize, like you said, there's, there's really no replacement for that. It's powerful. Yes, extremely powerful. Yeah, extremely powerful is right. So um, you decided to put this book together, and um, describe to us who it is who's your partner on this project. Oh, My lovely wife, Joanne, is my co-author on uh, 88 Plus Ways, 
and uh, we've together, you know, reached out to literally over 6,000 music teachers and musicians and artists and songwriters across the world to put together the stories that we've gotten for the book. And and, uh, and why 88? What is what is particular about 88? Well, I was going to go with six stories because there's six strings on the guitar, but there's 88 keys on the piano. So I thought that just sounded like a really neat number. Yeah, so, I love that. I love that. It uh, had to an instrument. Pardon me? It had to tie to an instrument. Yes. Yes. I mean, normally in these books you see, you know, 99 ways, 100 ways, 101 ways. Well, I just needed to have, like you just said, you know, music tie-in. And the number that jumps out to me is the instrument that I played now for 40 years, which is the piano. You know, 88 mm-hmm. keys, I love the number. And, and the plus, you know, 88 plus indicates that there's going to be more than 88 stories in the book. We didn't know how many. Whether it be 100, 120, it turns out it'll be more like 160 stories and quotes. So let me let me ask you to share some of the stories. Pick pick a couple of your favorite that run through your mind, and share and share a story with us and tell us. Um, I want our reader. I want our readers. Well, hopefully our audience is a bunch of readers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yes. Indeed. Yeah, I want our listeners to get a flavor of what it is that this book is going to uh, read like for them, what it's going to feel like for them. So say say some things about that. Well, there's a lot. The, the stories in the book run the gamut of people that were affected by you know bullying growing up, uh, and they use music as a as a way to kind of cope with that, or uh, they had family trouble at home or trouble with school, academics, uh, or sometimes it was there was illnesses in the family and music was helping them get through that, or, or a death in the family. Uh, one of my favorite stories that came in actually came in from Simon Kirk, who is the drummer for Bad Company and previously for the band Free. And uh, I won't remember all the details, but the, the basic idea for the story was he was doing this big drum clinic over in uh, the U.K., in this large auditorium, and he was on stage and showing, you know, demonstrating different techniques and playing the drums and percussion, and the lights were down, so he really couldn't see. You know how you're on stage sometimes, the lights are on you, and you can't really see who's out there, but you know know, the crowd's out there. And while he was demonstrating certain things, he, uh, at certain points, he would hear this clicking sound going on, like a whole lot of these little clicking sounds going on, and... You know, at first he just kind of dismissed it. You know, somebody's, you know, distracted and they're on their device doing something, you know, not really paying attention. And then he continued his demonstration. And uh, and then as it went on, you know, the clicking kept happening, you know, it kept coming back and coming back. And by the time he got to the end of his demonstration, he was, you know, inside he was like kind of perturbed, like, you know, I'm doing this demonstration for all these people. And then there's some folks that are just, you know, rude enough to just be clicking on their devices and, you know, not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't he didn't let on at all to the audience, but this is what he was thinking, feeling inside. And then at the end, the lights go up, and after a little bit, he's staring towards the back of the room, and what he realizes is there's a line of wheelchairs in the back with kids with, uh, I don't recall the disability, but they're all they all have 
drumsticks in their hands they've been oh, given. Gosh. And they were I'm going to cry now. <laughs> Just a retelling story and they were clicking along, playing along with him during the demonstration. Oh. And oh he just, gosh. you know, he just, you know, melted at that moment. Just, you know, couldn't believe, you know, and, you know, what, you know, he was doing for them and just, you know, versus what he was thinking <laughs> was going on. And uh, it was, uh, that's that's one of my favorite stories. You know, I always say, uh, since I got that story, that the drummer from Bad Company made me cry. And he did <laughs> with his story. So, So we have yeah. stories like that. Uh, where it'll really kind of hit you in the gut and really make you tear up. Uh, and then we have interesting stories with little twists, things that happen. We have people where, you know, their mother was an Alzheimer's patient, and she really hadn't uh, connected with anyone. You know, she would just sit there and not talk, not interact. And this gentleman was, you know, driving her, and this was going on for quite a while, at least a few years. And then, you know, he was driving her one place one day, you know, taking her out for a visit somewhere because normally she was in a home. And uh, just for some reason, he started singing a song back in the day, you know, from that he's him and his mom used to sing. He just started singing it, and his mom looked up looked over and smiled and came alive, basically came alive and started singing and moving to the beat of what he was singing. Oh, wow. And he was like, you know, I think he had to pull over. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, the music, you know, basically woke her up. You know, it was only for a little bit, you know, so just for that moment when he was singing. But, you know, that's when it really hit him, you know, that, how powerful this music is and there's so many times and I've seen it myself performing in uh in senior homes you know you play certain songs and you'll see people that were just sitting there in their chair with no expression on their face they they come alive and some mm-hmm. and some of them will start singing and moving and hearing that music that familiar music uh that meant so much to them you know in their lives and it's just nothing else wakes them up, you know, I use the term wakes them up, you know, for lack of a better term, but nothing else brings them out of it, out of it like music what can. Do you, what is a musician, do you think it is, that pulls people forward with music? What what is that? Is it is it physiological? Is it is it emotional? Is, what what is that? You know, I am honestly of the opinion that it's that. It's both of those and more. I think it's so many of our senses. Uh, I don't know if senses is the right word, but, you know, it's our emotions. It's the, the hearing, the physiological part of hearing, the, the, the vibrations coming into your you know ears, into your brain. Uh, and then that's coming into your emotions. And it's just, I think it really hits on so many things. And I don't know that we've, begun to figure it all out uh but i'm on a mission to help (laughs) learn about it and figure it out and let people know because it is so powerful of what it can do for people in different situations i mean you know you you and i know you know if we're in a bad mood for whatever reason right you know if you turn on the radio and it's a song that you really like yeah you know all of a sudden you're like "Eh, it's not so bad you know, yeah, you stay at work. Stay at work. You know, that's you know, I'm I'm over that. I feel I feel better. You know, 
I feel good now. You know, it just yeah. really changes your frame of mind. And and very quickly, you know, in 10, 20 seconds, all of a sudden the mood that you had before is just, you know, almost erased. What right. else can do that? <laughs> Other than, you, you know, know, maybe no- discovering you won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing does that. It's like, um, it feels to me like music sweeps us away. Yes. Sweeps us off our feet and takes us to another place, whether it's to a, a memory that we have that we associate with the song, or even if it's a song we've never heard before. It, you know, it makes when I hear a song that I that really resonates with me, and it's a song I've never heard before, but it again, it really, really resonates with me. You know, I feel something inside, and it makes me feel good. I don't know why exactly why yet, but it it absolutely does in in a heartbeat. And very quickly. You know, one of, one of the things that I think is so interesting is that people people sometimes will laugh about the theme of kindness and it's so fluffy and psychology is soft science and and it's um it's it's intriguing to me that in the face of that the strongest and some of our most admired people and and icons are men who have been songwriters and the tender themes that they write songs about. It's all about the condition of the heart. It's all right. about love. It's all about connection. Right. And yet as a culture we seem somewhere to be losing that valuable part of the message and the reality. And I think your book brings that back into the forefront, Vincent. It it puts the spotlight on good and healthy and love and and connection and things that, like you're willing to say here on our show, <clears throat> this is going to make me cry. This is a song, this is a story that because of the music really got to me and it and it right. tears right. me up. Man, right. oh man, we need a lot more of that. We all should, you know, cry when it when we feel something like that. I mean, if we can't cry and be kind, who are we as human beings? <laughs> how can yeah. we call ourselves how can we call ourselves human? Yeah, we're just being. Right. That's right. So, what, so music, me, music and kindness. Go ahead. Good. I was just going to say that music and kindness definitely go hand in hand. You know, I, I truly believe that. But so much of the music that is from people who are in their 20s and younger, and it's not everybody because I see some talent out there that I think is amazing, but when I hear so much of the music, particularly rap music, it's so violent. It's negative, it's violent, it's degrading. There is no point to it other than they're trying to get attention and make a quick buck off of it. That That's the only point that I see. Now, you know, maybe they feel like they're expressing their inner anger. Well, that's fine to express your anger and your feelings, but using words of violence isn't the way to do it. 
Right. There's a concern. You know, we we can all be angry and we can talk about it and sing about it about being angry, but but when you cross the line of wanting to, you know, talking about hurting someone in any way, you know, that's that's not the way humans are meant to be. Mm-mm. Right. There's a constructive way to manage these things is what is what the thought is that I keep coming back to. If 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 the only emotion that you know how to express is the anger, then you're missing the range of the human experience and and I and I worry about the really little kids, the the kids who are in the primary grades who have right. not had the exposure to the romance of life. Right, right. Life and is really romantic, isn't it? Yes, yes. And and you know, back in yesteryear, you know, fifties, sixties, you know, that was kind of standard what people were exposed to was the romance of life. You know, it was you know, I wanna say the Ozzy and Harriet period, but you know, it was goodness and you know, we've kinda of slowly slid sometimes more quickly since then, since that time, I believe. Mm-hmm. I I would love to see your book have mass distribution. Um, you're going to be available June 1st on Amazon.com, right? Yes, yes, and a little later we'll be on uh, B, B, BNN or BN.com for Barnes & Noble as well. Okay, and so the easiest thing for people to do is to go over to Amazon.com and get ready for this launch. And when they go to Amazon.com, let's direct people so that we can really get them right there. What do they All right. in so uh, It would basically be 88-plus ways music can change your life. And probably if you just type 88 without the plus, it'll probably work as well. You know, 88 ways music can change your life. Okay, and that's going to have to wait until uh, June 1st. June 1st, which is in 24 days. <laughs> okay. Or um, or sooner, or after, depending on when we're listening. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, this is live right now. Yeah, so, yeah, so if you're listening now, it's in 24 days. If we're listening later, it's a different time. Yeah, right. Okay, good. So June 1st, the book is going to come out. Now, in addition to being on Amazon, what are some of your your strategies for where else you're going to put this book? Because it seems to me that this book ought to be in the hands of everybody in America. Well, thank you. Thank you, Deb. I really appreciate that. Well, it will be available on our website, keepmusicalive.org, beginning June 1st. And we'll also be reaching out to a number of different distribution mediums to try and get it out other ways as well because we certainly believe that it's a universal message that is could be helpful to many people of all ages, all all cultures, speaking of which we have do have stories from all over the world from many different countries, not not just ours. And we definitely want to get the message out to as many people as possible. You know, whether they read the book or see the book or not, you know, it's the message we're trying to spread, and we're using the the book as a way to get the message out. And what age range do you think that this book is appropriate for? I think it would work for anyone from, say, a teenager and on up. 
it would work. Okay. I mean, certainly would be, you know, depending on the reading level for for younger kids, you know, it would still be appropriate. But from, you know, the teenage years on up, and everybody, just like, you know, you hear, listen to music, some people appreciate more song, you know, one song over another, or the like one type of music over another type of music. Uh, different stories in the book will resonate differently with different people. You know, you'll have some people that really are drawn to certain types of stories, and you have other people drawn to other types of stories. And then you'll have the stories kind of like the one where I just mentioned earlier with Simon Kirk, where I think we're all going to kind of take a step back and say, wow, those are the ones that I think, you know, almost everyone's going to really kind of get it in the gut. Do you um, do you have another story that you could tell us? To, uh, and by the way, make it one of your celebrity stories, because I know that you've got several celebrities who have, Agreed to be in there. Can you can you tell us one of the celebrities who it is and what their story is? Ah, uh, let me see what I can remember. Uh, one of my favorite bands. This is a this is just a short little anecdote. Uh, this is one of the bands uh, that I grew up with and loved for many years and still do. Uh, this gentleman was a member of that band for over twenty years and was a big part of a lot of their success. Uh, Bill Champlin was the keyboard player and vocalist for Chicago for for many, many years. And he wrote to us and told us about a song that many of us are familiar with. Uh, His father had recently passed away, and he was driving down the road, and he didn't, you know, you know how sometimes when someone passes away, you don't really, even when you're close to them, you know, maybe you're putting up that wall, you know, trying not to, be overcome with the emotions, so you just kind of distance yourself from it, and you don't really, you're not really ready to process it. And he was driving somewhere, and you know, of course, had the radio on. And I think most of us are familiar with the song by Mike and the Mechanics, "The Living Years," that came mm-hmm, yeah. out a number of years ago. Well, that comes on the radio, uh, really, just at the time that he needed it, and he just kind of broke it all loose for him. You know, he just, just at that point, he was overcome, you know, with emotion and. Just you know that song is such a incredible song that powerful you know between the music that's behind it, the lyrics you know, and the the way the singer Paul Carrick and the and that band uh, Mike and the Mechanics you know delivered the vocal you know the way he sang that is just you can just feel the passion coming through. And the wistfulness of, you know, wishing that he had been there and told his father that he really loved him, you know, while he was here. Because many people don't do that or get to do that for whatever reason. And uh, Mm. I think that that's another one. You know, it's I think a lot of us can relate to that that have lost, you know, a parent in the last 10, 20 years. Myself, I lost my dad on Father's Day uh, two years ago. Mm. Uh, Got a call. Got a call. Father's Day morning, I was playing a Father's Day brunch here locally, and I was going to call my dad in Florida, you know, after I played. And uh, instead, while I was playing, my sister kept trying to get a hold of me on the phone, and then when she finally reached me, you know, when I was done playing, it was right around noon, that's when she told me that, you know, my dad had passed, and it was just like, wow. I just was really, it was, you know, even though he had been kind of, you know, having issues over the years, it really still was out of the blue. And to happen on Father's Day was just a really punch in the gut and just I totally lost it. (laughs) 
So I guess, you know, Bill Champlin's story, uh, bringing back the story of the living years, you know, fortunately I did get to tell my dad, you know, that I loved him, you know. He wasn't always very emotional and didn't talk about love, you know, early, earlier on as we were growing up. But, you know, as he got older, you know, I think he got a little more sentimental sentimental, and uh, was able to express it, and uh, which was really special. So that song, The Living Years, that Bill Champlin heard, you know, very shortly after his father died, was what really did it for him. You know, um, when my when my mother and father, uh, they would be in their, they were born, each born in 1921. So they would be 94. Wow. And um, when they were in their 70s and 80s, there were things that happened with their health and they ended up in hospitals. And I I was so happy when I realized I had the freedom to bring in music to them. And at that at that time, it was <clears throat> not iPads and little devices. You know, you'd have to bring in a boombox. And I would bring in a boombox with what I knew was some of their favorite music that was the romantic music. And um, I remember so distinctly the the reality, seeing the reality come to life of what I had been studying as a psychologist, and that is when people are hooked up to equipment and we can see their heart rate, we can see their respirations, we can see their blood pressure, we can see basically how much they're struggling and how much they're relaxing. If you sit with someone, whether they're conscious or not, and you're touching them, you have music playing for them, and then if you if you can you're singing to them it is amazing what happens to their physiology I used to sit there and and watch the equipment as well as watching the expression on the face of my parents and just kind of petting uh-huh. their foreheads you know to relax their their angst when they were really infirmed and and music at that point, I always loved music, grew up with music, but at that point it was um, pivotal for me to see right. what it was that was so possible. And uh, with my mom, uh, about a decade before she passed away, she was in an intensive care unit and unconscious and in so much trouble. I mean, it was just terrifying. And I knew what her favorite music was and what her favorite songs were. And I would do exactly what I'm describing. I would hold her hand. <clears throat> right. I would I would stroke her forehead just gently, you know, not neurotically, but just intermittently right. and gently and talk to her. And then I would sing to her. And when she came out of that, when we extubated her, got her off of the breathing machine, the ventilator, and got her unhooked from all the devices, she talked to me and told me what it was like to be on the receiving end of that. And how it was absolutely heaven, because it was something that was so familiar, just like we've been talking about in this conversation, music being so familiar psychologically, emotionally, intellectually, physiologically, and that connection. To have have it coming from you, her daughter, added more to it, more meaning to it. True love, true love right there, undeniable. And it's so powerful, you know, it's so powerful. I think that that schools need your book. I I think 
every library needs to have that book, and we need to have people in reading groups with children reading them these books and telling them the stories and getting them singing and listening to music. I mean, I'm I'm envisioning these groups in libraries and in schools where little children are sitting there wide-eyed hearing about this wonderful impact that, that music has because you know that our little children are suffering. Yes, 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 many, many of them are. Out there in a very confusing world. I think your book is a solution for a lot of a lot of ailments. Maybe we need to take a trip to Washington D.C. and gift your book to Congress. That would be something. Walk into the the hall there, right, and uh, put one on each of their uh, desks, so to speak. Yeah. You you got my brain churning, Deb. Maybe we need to go there together. I'll bring build the strength within. And you bring your book, and you sing to them. That's what would make this really powerful, is if you do your delivery while singing to them. As a matter of fact, that's something that I want to start doing in my presentations, is singing to my audience with guitar. Yeah, having that would be wonderful. Yeah, adding music to any kind of presentation, as you can already know, you know, enhances you know what the message that you're trying to deliver, especially if the music, the style of the music is you know correlated with the message that you're that you're giving. And I yeah. would love, I'd be honored to go down to Washington D.C. with you, Deb, and and, and uh, bring our stories and books and message and music. Well, let me let me tell you how serious I am about this. The National Speakers Association which I'm uh, a full member of, I'm a new member of, this is my first year of membership, um, the guy who's the president of the National Speakers Association is actually the the, the endorsement on the front cover of my book, Shep Hyken, and he's been a member there for his whole career and just says such great things about it. So I joined. They actually have me as a speaker at the National convention and i will be there get this working with kids the the offspring of the professionals who are members in the national speakers association talking to them about stress and mindset and how to get through whatever it is in this life that they're experiencing as they're growing into their life and their own skin their own and guess where the convention is? It's in Washington D.C. And guess when it is? It's the third week of June. <laughs> wow, that is coming right up, Deb. Well, that is little awesome. Kismet here. I mean, I, I'm thinking to myself that this is powerful and magical, and absolutely um, awesome. And this is an opportunity. Seriously. To to take your message, it's so blended with build the strength within. It, it's such a it's such a side by side, shoulder it up and get a good message out there. I'm just I'm just thinking and seeing and feeling how powerful that could be. Of course, you know you might get to Congress and they lock the door. <laughs> There's always that possibility. <laughs> I don't know who they let in there. <clears throat> They let all the characters who are the politicians in there, but maybe if you're not a politician, it's not so easy. 
we need a revolution in America, and it's got to be a revolution that's of peace, not of people out there protesting, throwing rocks at the police. Uh, that's not that's not a peaceful protest. That's just rioting gone amok. Um, right. But I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about all the ways in which we need to have something really beautiful and peace-filled happen. We need music everywhere. As a matter of fact, living here in St. Louis, Missouri, I've thought about you and I've thought about your book and I've thought, you know, in the midst of all the riots that we've had here and now they're all over the country, right? We need right. to put loudspeakers on and turn the loudspeakers on to the angry crowds and play really beautiful music for them and quell the anger. Right, play something that will inspire them to, yeah. uh, you know, cha- help change their mood. And, you know, and they can still have their opinions of what they think is wrong because in many cases they're right about what they think is wrong. But it's how you communicate that is what we need to change. Absolutely. So are you are you, are you completely wrapped up in this? in this book and the activities of the book, or do you have um, uh, other events taking place right now? At this moment in May, I'm absolutely, you know, wrapped up in, in finishing up the book. It will break loose for me near the end of May once we throw it over the fence to uh, to Amazon, and that's when, you know, I'll have a lot more free time to to pursue, you know, all sorts of angles for getting the message out there. So do you, would you like to be, in addition to being the musician that you are, and talk a little bit about your musicianship, because we haven't even touched on that here today, which is so wrong of me. Talk about you as a musician. What instruments do you play? Well, mostly I play piano now. Uh, When I went through school, I played trombone from fourth grade through high school and in in, uh, all the various bands, concert band, marching band, and uh, what we called stage band back then. Some people refer to it as a jazz band now and a few other different names. And then when I was growing up around the age of 12 or 13, I also started playing the piano and guitar. And I played them both about the same for a number of years, but then the guitar kind of faded, and I've pretty much stuck with the piano. And that's so that's my main instrument that I play, and that's how I write most Pretty much all the songs that I write are written on the piano. And do you have do you have albums out that people can buy? I have a full length CD, yes, called One More Night that I put out uh, that has nine songs on it that all love songs of various different degrees. And I'll tell you a story. Since we're talking about stories, one of the stories for a song that's on the uh, CD, uh, I was doing a contest with a radio station uh, a number of years ago, and basically where I had agreed to give away a custom song, because I do custom songs as part of my lovesongs.com website, and I had agreed to give a song away to a winner of their contest that they were having on a particular day. So in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I do love songs. This will probably be be somebody who wants a song for their girlfriend or their wife or their kids or their mother or something like that. It would that's what I'm thinking. And when I got the call, you know, when the contest ended, what I was what they told me was the person who won the contest wanted the song uh for something a little different. Uh what it was it was a mother 
who had recently given up their child for adoption, and they wanted a song to be able to play for them someday should they ever get the chance to, to see them again. And wow. as a parent, I just I just lost it. <laughs> I just couldn't even imagine, you know, feeling like I had to give up my child because of whatever circumstances I was in. And uh, so I went up to the piano and just, you know, it was from God to my head to the piano. <laughs> it just came down and, and in. And I literally wrote the song in one day. Well, I w- had agreed that they could play the song on the air the next day. So I had to write it in one night and do a quick demo of it. And the resulting song is called So Many Things. Uh, so many things I wish that I could say. So many things I wish that I could do. You know, if if I could only see you again, and uh, I, yeah, you know, I don't know if you, this ever happens to you. Do you ever get chills when you when you hear a particular song by an artist that oh, really yeah. kind of gets to you? Well, and and I, you know, as a musician, I get that feeling. You know, you know, a number of different songs. Well, that's the one song that I wrote that if I when I sit down today and play that song, you know, it gives me chills. <laughs> to play it because of just what it means, you know, and, and the, the kind of the haunting melody that goes along with it. It's uh, it's very powerful. So that's, mm. you know, so there's romantic love songs on the CD. There's so many things. There's upbeat, you know, Love Makes the World is an upbeat number. Uh, I, I'll stop short of calling it a dance song, but it's definitely upbeat. And uh, so there's a lot of different, you know, love songs on the CD that I have available. And the title of the CD is One More Night. And that's available on iTunes, Amazon, you know, kind of all over the place. And you can stream the songs, purchase the songs. Mm. Mm. Uh, I want you to write write a song for me for... um, for all the work that I'm doing with... uh, uh, Partners in Excellence and Build the Strength Within and the K Factor that would somehow capture the essence of everything we're talking about here and the ways in which people need to um, really let themselves love. Let themselves love. I'm, I'm taking notes here. Well, I I just blogged this morning. I I, I wrote a piece about um, uh, I wrote a blog early this morning about a relative of mine. My oldest living relative in Chicago died. Uh, he was uh, 95. Very sorry. Thank you. He and he was this, he was a beautiful man. He was a World War II survivor, um, and and he had really gone through a lot in his life. And he, I unless I am mistaken, he was in uh, concentration camps uh, as an American in World War II. He's wow. a veteran. Wow. And <clears throat> he was he was so marvelous. He had he had humor and. Strength, and he had told me when I saw him at my mother's memorial service. He had said to me, "You think we're Polish? Our whole family thinks we're Polish. We're not. We're Austrian, and I can prove it." And I thought, huh. "Really? Okay. I know the maps have changed a lot." So he said, <laughs> "You have to, you have to come and talk to me." 
And do you know, that was six years ago, and I never went and talked to him. And what I oh wrote my. about this morning was about this loss of this beautiful man. And um, this week I did a funeral with one of my dearest friends who is in his early 70s. And his mother died at 95. So these people oh were wow. both 95. And actually, they died. They died just a couple days apart from one another. And I'm and I'm thinking about all this. And I'm thinking. I know when I was at the funeral for my friend uh, here, how he was really he was a tough guy, right? And he's a mm-hmm. tough businessman. He's a cowboy, and he's a he's a he's an entrepreneur. And he, you know, he really cuts a path. I mean, he's just marvelous. And he's a leader, you know, and, and and all these people wanted more time, wanted more time to tell people how much they loved him. And I thought, oh, man, I'm the one who says, what are you waiting for? <laughs> that's, one of my, that's one of my branding lines. What are you waiting for? Do it now. Life is precious. Build the strength within. Reach out and touch and love. And yet right, right. I'm writing my blog, and I'm in a state of angst saying, what was I waiting for? This is a reminder. This is another waking up call. Yeah, for me say a wake and up call. Yeah. To share. Don't wait because from his mouth to my ear, there's not it's not an option now. I can get the information elsewhere, but not from him. I wanted to know what he thought, how he felt when he discovered it. And so there's a an element in the song I want I want to do with you that is gotta be about what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? There is no tomorrow. Tomorrow becomes today. Today is then lost, you know. It's it, it's right. a big circle this cycle of life. We can't miss. We can't miss what it is that we've got going here. It's too precious. No, cuz if we wait, it just passes us by and the opportunity may likely never come again. Uh, I have to say, Deb, that is a, that is an awesome idea for a song. I am in, I am totally inspired. Well, thank you for that. I really I, I thank you for that. I I thank you for being inspired by my by my heart because that's really what it is that I'm sharing. And there's so much for us to write music about and. We can say it a million ways, and I hope that as a as a humanity, we we continue to say it a million ways. But but telling people I love you, giving people that hug, and you know, I I realized when I was writing this blog how much I love and how much I've had so much loss in my life that that is why I love to hug people. I mean, you and I belong to the same masterminding group, and you know that when I'm there. I am I am working my way around that room, just grabbing people and hugging them. Yeah, yeah. and it's so important to connect with people when you have the opportunity. And I because love they that. I mean, it's they not, don't come enough. You know, it's not it's not a come on at all. I mean, I really am walking up to people, <laughs> you included, and your wife, and just grabbing you all and and giving you a hug. And um, I, it's funny because I think about all the people who I'm friends with and some of the people who I work with, and the end of our conversation is, I love you. And, you know... That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Well, isn't it silly the way that people get afraid of that? Like, oh, I don't know, you know, they might get the wrong idea. What's the wrong idea? 
<laughs> what is the wrong idea? It is. Well, you know, we live in we live in a crazy world, Deb. <laughs> it is. It is. There's times when I feel like a leader in this world, and there's times when I feel like I am not fit for this world, because I think. You know, um, you know. Sometimes, like your accountant or your lawyer, doesn't understand when you say "I love you so much." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I could, I could see where they might have a hard time getting that. <laughs> you know, really, you know, understanding that, so to speak. <laughs> right, but I really believe it. I feel it. You know, I mean. And when you say it with, you know, sincere sincerity and passion, you know, coming from the human spirit, I think most of them will get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. So we've only got a couple of minutes left. This hour has flown by, and it's been such a pleasure to talk with you again. And and I really do well, want to keep having you on the show because I love your message. I love your heart, and I and I love you. I mean, I love your spirit. I love what you're doing. You and your wife are magnificent in this whole initiative. And I, and I do think that you and I should talk offline about what actually might be a possibility in Washington, D.C., because I can't imagine being out there and not going to not going to Congress. Right, it's yeah, key. absolutely. I will, I will connect with you after after today. Okay. And so in, in our last few minutes here again, tell people the name of the book and, and when they can get it on Amazon.com. The name of the book is 88 Plus Ways That Music Can Change Your Life. It's uh, full of inspirational music stories, quotes, and anecdotes from musicians and music lovers all over the world. And you can find it on Amazon.com starting June 1st. And you can also find out more about it at our website, keepmusicalive.org. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Deb. You're very welcome. It's been a lovely, lovely interview and an opportunity to chat with you. And um, you're absolutely precious. Keep doing what you're doing. I wish you every success with this book and this program. And, yes, we will talk offline. Well, thank you so very much, Deb, and thank you for inspiring me. This has been a wonderful, wonderful hour to spend with you. Thank you so much. Very welcome. Friends, this has been another episode of The K-Factor, and this is Dr. Deb Carlin, your host, The K-Factor, where K equals kindness and the factors are all the things that lead to it. Friends, stay tuned in to your heart. It's where we really live. And the balance between our mind and our heart is so huge. It's so important for us. Love. Love well. Love everybody. And don't be afraid to tell them. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, signing off. Take good care of yourselves now.